Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Good morning, church. How are you today? Good, good, good. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to the the church service after Easter. What a what a day we had last week. It was spectacular in my opinion last week. I loved Easter. We had such a great day. Let me share a little bit about Easter. First of all, who was here for Easter? Everybody everybody made it for Easter. Some of you had to travel, so welcome back home. But Easter, we had over 800 people here for Easter. That's awesome. You can clap for that. Go ahead. We had so many people with life change. We had hands going up to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior last week. Uh, A little little pause there. Y'all got to keep up. It's not that hard. Y'all can handle this. It was so great. Oh, man. Um, We had brown dog coffee here last week. See, they'd get it for brown dog coffee. We drank coffee, had a great time. Some of you wore your Easter outfits. It was great. It was so beautiful. Um, We worshiped. We prayed. Sometimes we prayed too much. Let me explain. Um, If you were at one of the services, and I don't remember which one, but one of the times I started my message, and I always have a little time where I pray before I begin the message. So so I, I prayed, and then I said a few things, and I said, then let's pray. And so there was one service I prayed twice at the beginning of my message. Anybody happen to catch that? Well, let me tell you, I'm up here while I'm in my second prayer time. And while I'm praying, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I've already done this. Like, they're going to think I'm crazy out there, you know. And then in my head, I'm like praying these prayerful words, having this whole like, they think you're crazy. And the enemy said, you've just blown it. And so while I'm praying these nice words, I'm like, get behind me, Satan. And so so finally, I just wrap it up. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Amen, you know. And y'all were so gracious. You just said amen again. And we went with it. So we worshiped. We prayed. We prayed. And, um, and then we preached and God was glorified. It was a great day. Um, I want to thank some of our volunteers because you guys are amazing. So let me go there. You got it. So you're clapping now. So, so keep your clap hands ready. Our kids ministry volunteers stepped up big time. We added a service for Easter, so we had to add a whole new group of people to to volunteer and to cover that. More kids than we ever have. And so thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you that pitched in with our kids ministries. There you go, there you go. want to thank all of our host teams. So those are the people that greet people coming in and our ushers, our security team, those at the first time guest table. You guys are amazing. You welcomed, smiled and greeted people, made guests feel welcome. And so I want to thank you for your help as well. There you go. Our worship team. Gosh, you guys are amazing. You did such a great job last week. But listen, you may not know this, but they came here Saturday while you were at the beach. They were here Saturday rehearsing and getting ready, then came in really early Sunday morning and then led us in three services. Their voices were shot by the end of that, but amazing worship. Thank you to you guys. Tech team, 
I love our tech team cameras. You all did an amazing job as well. But one big shout out, and I need you to get your best clap ready. There were a group of people that broke down and cleaned up everything after the third service. While many of us went to Easter lunch, they sacrificed that to be here to clean everything up for our Easter services. Can you just give them a great shout? Come on, give it better, give it better. <laughs> All right, well, now that Easter's over, amazing. The question is, now what do we do? Now that Easter, we've celebrated, we've preached, we prayed, we prayed again, and then all the things. What do we do now? And that's the question. That's my sermon title today, Now What? And so I'm going to pray one time as we get started. So, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this church that is so gracious to a, a funny pastor. Uh, Lord, we thank you that your presence is here for all the volunteer teams. We are so grateful. Lord, we thank you that your presence is here today. Lord, I pray for anointing over what I say that it would help change our lives for the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen, church, amen. So the story of Jesus doesn't end with his death and resurrection. I mean, it, it seemed like in many stories you would end it there. I mean, the greatest moment of all, uh, Jesus dies resurrected. Like that would be a great close of, of the chapter, but, but it doesn't. After his resurrection, Jesus appears to his disciples and many believers and gives, gives them instruction to meet him in Galilee. And those were his instructions. He told them, meet me in Galilee. After I've been raised from the dead, meet me there in Galilee. Why Galilee? I wondered what the disciples were wondering about what Jesus was up to. I wonder if they were like, now what is Jesus going to do when we get to Galilee? What is Jesus up to? So he told them to meet them there. So first he told them this story about meeting him in Galilee before his death. So he was with his disciples on one occasion in Matthew 26, 32. And it says that after I've been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. And so I think he's like, I need you to understand where to meet me. We're going to have a rendezvous. Like when all this goes down, then meet me there. I have one more giant thing to tell you. So then we know after his resurrection, he appeared to two ladies. Both of them were named Mary. And both of these ladies had this experience of meeting Jesus. And Jesus says to them, he says, you know, go tell the disciples. And here's the story. It says uh, the women ran quickly from the tomb. They were frightened or they were in wonder, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And then they ran to him, grasped his feet, and they worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. And here's his, here's his point. He says, go tell my brothers, go tell the disciples, go tell the dudes to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. And so the Bible teaches us that for the next 40 days after that encounter, he visits the disciples. He visits many believers. We know that he, he met with Mary and Mary. We know that he on one occasion uh, joined these two guys that were walking to Emmaus and he he appeared to them. He then visited the disciples and then came back. And, and Thomas, who missed the visit when he came to the disciples, he's like, I doubt all of this. And, 
And so Jesus came back to him and he said, you know, feel my hands. And so, so he became, you know, a, a believer again that Jesus was raised from the dead. And so after all of these appearances, the disciples were ready to take the instructions. And so they went to Galilee. Matthew 28, 16 says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. It was about a three days walk from Jerusalem where they were to Galilee. And in my mind, this is thus think of Tim. I'm, I'm interjecting my, what I think happened here. It's not in the Bible, so I could be wrong, but I'm probably not. I think that on their walk, they discussed, now what? I think they were like, wow, like Jesus really is alive and it, he really was the son of God. I think they're like, now what is he going to do when we get to Galilee? What is Jesus up to? I think they were having that conversation about now what is Jesus going to do when we get to Galilee? So I was just thinking about that thought about Galilee and, and maybe some significance about Galilee. I've mentioned it several times because I think there's something special about Jesus going back there to meet his disciples. So a couple thoughts about Galilee. Galilee is where Jesus began his ministry. So the Bible teaches us that immediately following his baptism, that the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness, and for 40 days he was tempted there by the enemy. He overcame the enemy, and then it says he immediately went into Galilee and began preaching the good news, preaching about the kingdom of God. And so the significance is now that he's telling these disciples to come back to the place where he began his ministry. We also know that in Galilee is where Jesus performed his very first miracle there. This is the place where Jesus was at the wedding and he turned the water into wine and he was in Galilee. And so when I'm thinking about Galilee and all of the, the first about ministry I just feel like it feels to me like a place where, where ministry and mission and, and miracles are, are birthed there. And now we see Jesus circling back his disciples to this place where, where ministry and mission and miracles are birthed. And so he's circling back to that. Now for just my idea, when I think about Galilee, I wanted to like give it a name, like not the name Galilee, but I was just thinking like Galilee is, is this place of anointing. And so I'm calling it, now this is just the Tim Blevins thought, so you can throw it out if you want, but, but the, the, the Galilee anointing, like there's a uniqueness to Galilee because in Galilee is where Jesus began his ministry, first miracles were there. And so sometimes we can look at, you know, places and things that are in the Bible and, and attach some sort of a uniqueness to it that, that God uses that in a particular way. And so he's using Galilee to birth ministries and miracles. And so I would just encourage you that if you have anything that you are birthing that is related to impacting and working with the kingdom of God. So that can be a business. You may be starting a business, but you're going to honor God in your business. It may be a podcast that you're starting. It may be a ministry that you're starting. Anything that you're doing that is attached to the kingdom of God in some way, I would just say, God, would you release that Galilee anointing over it? Because everything that God births, everything that Jesus births, will grow, will have success, and there'll be a unique anointing on it for whatever that was. So that's just my thoughts on that. 
But Jesus circled his disciples back to this place where he began his ministry. And the disciples now have walked for three days and they arrive in Galilee. And verse 28 says that when they saw him, they worshiped him. What a moment that had to be. They've walked three days. They get there. Jesus is there, resurrected, and wow, they worship. When they saw him, they worship. Then there's this very unique and just strange little part of that verse. It says, but some of them doubted. So when they saw him, they worship, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, he said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. What he's saying is that I truly am who I said I am. My resurrection proves it. And I have now taken the keys from hell. I have taken the the keys from death and Satan and sin. And he says, I have all authority and power over death and sin. And with all that authority, he then answers the question for the disciples about now what? Now what am I going to do? And so for me, as I approach this thought of now what in Galilee, I believe what Jesus is saying to them that that I am not going to do the work now. You are. Because I have authority, I'm giving to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And he says, now you, through you, I'm going to rebirth my mission. I'm going to, through you in my name, give you the power for miracles to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And through you, the world will be changed. So he says in Matthew 28, 19, therefore, he says, go make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus gave the disciples and he has given to you and I a mission statement. He said, this is your mission. Now that Easter is over, now what? Your mission statement is to make more disciples. My mission is to make more disciples. That's what he's called us to do. And yes, church, I think you should, um, I think you should be enjoying your life to its capacity. I think you should go to college and get married and get jobs and start businesses, buy houses, all the things that have, have some fulfillment in life. But I will say to you, along with this, God has given us a primary mission, a mission statement to fulfill, and that's to make more disciples. Listen, you can do all the things, but if you miss this, you've missed the primary calling and mission of every believer to make more disciples. I like mission statements. Do you ever, by chance, see a company's mission statement and you And you think, oh, that mission statement fits well. I like that mission statement. So I decided to look up several mission statements of companies that you and I would probably recognize. And I want you to do me a favor today as we talk about mission statements because our mission statement is to make more disciples. And I was looking at these companies and I need you to help me decide whether or not you like this company's mission statement and whether or not they are fulfilling their mission statement. So we'll do it with thumbs down, thumbs up. So you can help me. So, so everybody get your thumbs out. And um, so you can get it neutral for now. Um, but, um, 
So have you ever heard of the company Life is Good? Life is Good Company. They make really happy t-shirts. Some friends of mine, the Weathers, gave me a, a Life is Good t-shirt one time. I love the t-shirt. Their mission statement is to spread the power of optimism. Listen, I give that a thumbs up. I'm like, anybody's going to help other people be happy and optimistic. I'm in for it. I think they do a good job. So good. So thumbs up. So let's, let's look at Twitter for just a second. Everybody knows what Twitter is. So I need you to decide whether or not you think they are fulfilling their, their stated mission. Twitter's stated mission is this, to give everyone the power to create and share ideas and information instantly without barriers. <laughs> is that hilarious or what? Like they need to go back and read their mission statement to give everyone the power to create. They're the most censoring social media out there. Who's praying for Elon Musk to buy Twitter? You know, like, come on. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. So thumbs down to Twitter. All right, so um, Coca-Cola Company, their mission statement is ambitious. And it is to refresh the world in mind, body, and spirit. I'm like, they're not the church. <laughs> so I'll give them, I will say this about Coke, and, and I'm impressed with Coke. They have refreshed the world in some capacity. Listen to this. Currently, Coke is sold in every country in the world except for two countries. Do you know which two countries they're not in? They're not in North Korea, and they're not in Cuba. I don't know, something about an embargo, so they don't get to be in Cuba. Listen, Coke sells 1.9 billion bottles per day. Wow. Listen, I'll just take you a little further. On the average, over 10,000 soft drinks from Coke are consumed every second of every day globally. So I will say that Coke is refreshing the world. I would say they're not doing spirit. So, but, all right, so let's keep going. Get your thumbs back out. Walmart, Walmart. Um, they have a simple one. We save people money so they can live better. Well, I like the... So listen, I would say that I think Walmart does save money, but when you're in there, I don't know if my life is being better at the moment. So I'm just saying. All right, so this, one's, this one is the one that gets me. Um, Everybody knows the yellow sticky notes. All right, so Avery Sticky Note Company. Listen to their ambitious, their ambitious mission. Sticky notes. To help make every brand more inspiring and the world more intelligent. Man, that's having a lot of hope for a sticky note. I'm like, listen, I think a sticky note is awesome. You know, like you can leave a little note on the refrigerator for your wife or Harry can say, you know, don't drink that, you know, that's for dinner tonight or whatever, you know, so they're helpful, but I just don't know if they're achieving making the world more intelligent. All right. So the, so another one, this is so fun. I love this Dell computer. Anybody have a Dell computer? All right, there's a couple of you have Dell computers. Well, right, listen to theirs. And th this is, this is another funny one. Dell computers to be the most successful computer company in the world. Have they heard of Macintosh? <laughs> like, I don't think they're succeeding in that. All right, the last one, last one. Get your thumbs out. The mission statement for followers of Christ, make more disciples. 
But are you fulfilling that mission? Are you getting it done? Are we like Dell computers who have an ambition, (laughs) but it's not happening? Because there are so many things that we can do with our life. But if we don't pay attention and focus on the mission statement that has been given to us, then we may accomplish a lot of good things, but miss the God thing that he wants to do in our life. And so I want to take just a few minutes to help us fulfill that mission statement. And so my first point today is be the mission. Be the mission. Reminding you of Matthew 28, 19, it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Then it says to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all these commands I've given you. So first, we have to be the mission. The, the, the verse is for us before it's for others. We have to be the disciple before we can make disciples. A disciple is a learner or, or a follower. And so to be a disciple of Jesus, we are learning and we are following him. And so I just want to take that thought about, about many disciples and for you, you first, and for, for you to know that, that you have to, to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. There has to be a moment in your, in your life you make a decision. You say, today, today I choose to follow Jesus Christ. It's make. You have to have a moment where you step across the line and you say, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I make a decision. And for those of you that are here today and you have never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want you to know that, that you don't have a problem too big for God to fix. You're not too far away. You have not messed up so much. You have not been broken in such a way that God cannot help you. Listen, I want you to know that God can and He will forgive you. He will restore you and He will give you a brand new life if you make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And for those that are here, thank you. I got some clappers. I love it. And for those of you who are here, though, that maybe don't feel like you need God. You know, that's a whole other group of people that that feel comfortable in life and they don't feel that pressure. They don't feel some brokenness to where I need God. There are some who have made enough money and they don't sense problems in their life. And, and, and listen, God bless you. I, 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 just, I, I think it's applaud that. But I have some friends who have made a lot of money and they will tell you this if you ask them about this. They would tell you that all of that stuff is like sinking sand. And the only thing that will truly be great for your life, the only thing to build your life on is the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Amen. At the end of my message today, I will give you an opportunity to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Next, the Bible talked about being baptized. It said to... It said first to make disciples and then baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptism is a public profession of our faith that you have made a decision to follow Jesus. 
Your salvation is a private matter, but it was never meant to stay private. It was meant to become a profession, a public profession. And baptism is how we make a public profession of our, of our faith. The Bible teaches us that we baptize people in water. And so if you've never been baptized in water, I want to invite you to a special service we're having here. And it's on May the 29th. And we're going to have a baptism service for you to be baptized. Now, here's how we do it, if you're wondering. Um, we, have a, we have a little mini hot tub. And we, we put it right outside under the drive-thru. And then right after the service... Everyone who wants to be baptized will go out there and all of the people in our church come stand around the little hot tub. And what we do is we baptize people by, by laying them back in the water. It represents the old life is gone and you are raised to new life just like Christ. And that is your public profession of your faith. And when that happens, your whole church is there. They see you making this statement, your profession, and we all cheer like crazy and it's a great moment. And so you want to be here for May 29th. But if you've never been baptized, I want to invite you to go to our website, sign up so we know that you're coming. Amen. The next part of that verse, after it says to be baptized, it talks about our obedience to obey what we are learning. And I would just phrase it like this. We need to grow in our obedience to God. You know, spiritual growth is not automatic. It's a commitment we make. Just because you made a profession of your faith doesn't mean that you're going to naturally just grow in the Lord. You have to be committed to it. You have to make a decision. You have to form some habits in your life. As a matter of fact, if you're not committed to following God then the world will slowly drag you away. It'll drift you away. Most people don't usually like make a quick turn away from God. They don't, you know, just abruptly go, I'm, I'm all done with God. It's usually a slow drift in their life. They just get their eyes off the Lord. They get distracted on other things and they, they just start fading in their commitment. As an example, we're all beach people. A lot of you have been to the beach. We see your, your red faces. And... Um, <laughs> And, but we're beach people and you understand this because if you were to go out into the ocean for like 20, 30 minutes and then turn around, you would realize that you had drifted down the beach so many yards that you're not even near your chairs where you started. And because there's just a drift, it's slow enough, you don't realize it. But at some point you turn around and you realize I'm so far gone from where I began. And so many people in their walk with God have gotten so far from where they began, they don't even realize it because it's been this slow drift. And so you know if you're at the beach and you're drifting, it's too hard to head back upstream. So what do you do? You have to get out of the water and get on the beach and you have to walk back to where you started. And today I'm calling our church and a lot of people in our church who have drifted in their life down the stream a little bit away from Jesus, little steps at a time. I'm calling to turn around and see the point that you left and I'm calling to get out of the water, get out of the culture, get out of the world long enough to get your feet in the sand and run back to Jesus today. We need a church that wants to run to Jesus today. Some of you have drifted far enough and this is your pastor giving you a warning. Far enough. I'm your lifeguard today. You need a lifeguard and says, you're way off mark. Like come back. 
If not, we're going to swim out and try to help you. If you've drifted, come back to God. Let the Holy Spirit move in you today. Amen? Number two. We are the mission first. Next, accept the mission. We have to accept the mission of making disciples. We have to, we have to hear the mission statement and say, hey, that's for me. It's my job to make disciples. It's not just Pastor Tim's job. It's not just someone down three you know, chairs from you's job. It's, it's your job. We all accept this mission statement of making more disciples. Some of you, though, are hearing that and you're thinking, well, Pastor Tim, I'm not qualified for that. Like, I, I haven't had any training. I haven't had, you know, I just kind of showed up here. I, I don't know that I can do anything to really help anybody. And I want you to know that you are qualified right where you are, right how you are right now. Do you remember that little unusual statement that I read to you? And I just paused on it for just a moment. And I said that, you know, some of them worshipped or they worshipped him. But then it said some of them doubted. Like, what an interesting little little statement that's in there with worship. They saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Do you know why that little phrase is in there? It's in there for people like you and I that doubt ourselves and doubt whether or not we can do anything. We doubt whether or not we're qualified or not. I want you to know that little verse is in there to tell you that God works through imperfect people like me and you. You don't have to be perfect. Matter of fact, you can just get saved and start telling people about Jesus you can leave here today and spread the good news. For more than 2,000 years, imperfect people have been telling other people about a perfect Savior. You see, it's not about how good you are. It's about how good God is. And that's all you have to tell them. Let me tell you what to do. How do you make disciples? Real easy. Like, I'm going to give you the easiest task ever. You invite them to church. It's that easy. Bring them to church. If you bring people to church, let me tell you why it's so good. When you bring your friend to church, this whole place here is preparing an atmosphere for people to give their life to Christ. When someone comes in the doors, we have the most amazing greeters. They smile. They look at you and welcome you. And, and someone's going to walk in the door and they're going to feel a spirit of, of you know, welcome here. They're going to be like, I'm accepted here. They don't even know me, but they like me. And, and so I love that part about it. We're the, we're the friendliest, listen, we should be the friendliest place anyone goes all week. We ought to be friendlier than Starbucks ever is, amen? Chick-fil-A's tough to beat. They're good, they're good. But we can do it, you know, like we do do it. Y'all are great. So people come in, they're, they're welcome. And then, you know, they see the enthusiasm of a church. The reason I love to see hands up for all the right reasons in terms of like if you're giving your life to Christ or worshiping him, but it also sends this message out to a brand new person. These people really love Jesus. They're really into this stuff. There must be something to this. And so they're seeing that and then they start feeling the worship. Do you know an unbeliever, unchurched person can start feeling the presence of God. They're, they're just, they don't know what they're feeling, but their heart starts racing a little bit. They start feeling something. And God starts speaking to them in that moment. And then, you know, I you know, do my best to preach a message. And in a message, though, because it's the word of God, he touches hearts every single time. And then we bring it every single service. We end with a salvation moment for people to give their life to Christ. All you have to do is bring people to church. Let God do all the work. 
Watch God work. Amen? So who do you bring? Who do you bring to church? Anyone that's unchurched. Anyone's unchurched. Don't try to figure out whether they, you know, will like it here or not. Don't try to figure out, you know, you know, are they, you know, qualified. Just, you just bring them. Don't worry about it. Let God do the work. And let me tell you, don't wait until we get our new building to start bringing people. Go ahead and bring them now. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just save them now and get them ready for the new building. You're like, well, I don't know if they'll like it in there. You like it in here fine enough to come. So they'll, they'll be fine. Bring them to church. The little plastic chairs, they'll be all right. Bring people to church. There's a little story in the book of Luke chapter 8, 38, about a, a man who had just had an experience with Jesus and his, his mission is unfolded here. And it says that the man whom Jesus had healed, he had actually cast out demons out of this man. The man whom Jesus had healed begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, go back home and tell people how much God has done for you. So the man went all over town telling how much Jesus had done for him. And so you're now what? Now what? Easter's over, now what? Bring people to church. God's still working. The story doesn't end at the resurrection. There's more for us to do. We have a, a mission to accomplish. So we have to be the mission, accept the mission. Now what? Three, you need to join the mission. You need to join the mission. The church is the mission organization of God. The church is God's way of fulfilling the great commission. And you need to be joined to God's mission organization. You need to join Life Church. You need to join the place you're sitting today and partner and be a part of what God is doing here. And I'm giving you an invite right now to move from just being here and kind of checking us out. And I'm encouraging you to take the next step and join us and be part of what God is doing. Here's an example of a church in the book of Acts that, that the people were devoted. They were joining the church. And as a result, people are getting saved. It says this, that all the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing meals and to prayer. And there was this deep sense of awe that came over all of them. The apostles performed miraculous signs and wonders and all the believers, they met together in one place and they shared everything they had. They sold property and possessions and shared. Verse 46 says they worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes. In other words, they were part of, of life groups and they ate supper together. They shared meals with great joy. And it says, then all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And as a result, and each day, the Lord added to, the, to their fellowship those who are being saved. Listen, they were devoted to their church and to one another. And as a result, the unchurched people saw that and wanted to be a part of that. They want to be a part of a church where people are devoted to their church. And it brings people in and God does his work. And so I'm inviting you to join us. If you're new to us, maybe you came to Easter first time, you came back to check us out again. My invite to you is to join us in what we have is our next step classes. Uh, Eli talked about that in our announcements, but this is the place where you will find out more about our church and a place to become a member in our church. And we encourage you to sign up for our next class, which is on May 8th. So we want you to sign up and come and be part of what God is doing here. 
and watch God save more and more people and fulfill his mission. Amen? Amen. I want to close with the final part that it says in Matthew 28, 18. And it says that Jesus, he told his disciples that he had all authority. Then he, again, he said, go make disciples and baptize. And then in verse 20, he says this, he says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. And then he finishes with this statement. He says, I am with you always, even to the end of age. He said, I am with you always. Why is that there? Why did he add that in there? In my opinion, is that when you become a disciple and you genuinely seek God, you're committed to Him. When you help make more disciples, when, when you are joining the, the mission organization, God's church, and, and because, of course, we can always do more together, I believe that what Jesus is saying, that is when you are participating in God's mission statement, that he will be with you and all his authority and all the power that he demonstrated on Resurrection Sunday is available for the church and through the church. What he's saying is that when we do these things that even hell can't stop us. The devil can't stop us. No more demons can ever stop us. The government can't stop us. The law can't stop us. Sickness can't stop what God is doing. And so he said, if you do these things... I will be there. I will be there to help you, strengthen you, empower you, release the miracles through your life. God will do it if you'll step in and live out the mission statement. Amen, church? Amen. 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 Well, I promised you in my message that I would give you an opportunity to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Also, if you're here today and when I was talking to those who maybe have drifted from God in some capacity and you want to you want to reconnect, you want to go back to where you know you're supposed to be. This is your moment. And so would you just bow your heads in this moment? Oh, I'm so sorry. I missed something. Everybody look at the screen real quick. Let me let me share this with you. I, I need you to know this. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, that you're loved by God. He loves you. Everything about God is love. He loves you. It's our sin, the second box. Our sin is what separates us from God. We've all messed it. We've all missed it. We're separated from God because of sin. But we know because of Jesus Christ that he died on the cross as the only payment for our sin. In other words, he paid. He paid the price for us. He paid the, the penalty that we deserve for our sin. He took it upon himself so that we could be forgiven and free. You and I just accept God's gift. That's our role. That's the decision that I'm bringing you to make. You decide, I choose to follow Jesus today. Now let me ask you to bow your heads. If there's anyone here today that is ready to choose Jesus, to choose to be a follower of Jesus, first, would you just raise your hand to me? I'd love to see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else? Raise it high. Now, if there's people here that maybe have drifted, would you just raise your hand and say, I just want to come back to Jesus. I want to get right where I know to be. Many hands. Let's all pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. I turn to Jesus for forgiveness of my sins. 
I receive forgiveness. And today, I decide to follow Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. God bless you.